And we start today with a different perspective on a name that's well known in Australia for its association with the controversial Carmichael Mine in Queensland, Adani. The story of how Adani Group became one of India's biggest, most influential and most controversial businesses is extraordinary in commercial terms and in personal ones too. Along the way, founder Gautam Adani has been kidnapped and forced to pay a multi-million dollar ransom. He was also in the Taj Hotel during the 2008 Mumbai terrorist attacks in which 174 people died. Our first guest on Sunday Extra today is journalist and teacher R.N. Baxa. He's the author of the new biography, Gautam Adani, Reimagining Business in India and the World. It came out in late 2022, just before the ominously named short seller Hindenburg Research released a report called How the World's Third Richest Man is Pulling the Largest Con in Corporate History. In recent years, Adani Group's value skyrocketed to around 260 billion US dollars. But so far, the Hindenburg report's been pretty disastrous, with about 120 billion US wiped off the group's combined stock value in just a few weeks, meaning Gautam Adani is no longer the world's third richest man. But as you'll hear, the Hindenburg controversy certainly hasn't changed his biographer's perspective on Gautam Adani. I spoke with RN Buxer earlier. Many thanks. It's a pleasure being talking to you. Baska, could you give us a bit of a snapshot of Gautam Adani's life story so far? Well, Gautam Adani began his life uh, like all children do in a school. Then he came to Bombay where he wanted to pursue college education. But while he was a student, he was doing the diamond trade and he couldn't keep attendance because uh, that cut into his college time. And when he had to make a choice between the diamond trade and education, he chose the diamond trade. Anyway, the father, his parents, um, his brothers decided to get into plastics trading and he left the diamond trade to run the plastics trade. He placed an order for 200 tons immediately and the banker finally gave him the letter of credit for 20 tons. Then he went to 2,000 tons and went to 5,000 tons. But that is the kind of man Gautam Adani is. He always has a propensity to grow phenomenally. Yes, indeed, because you've described to us um, the scale of the businesses that he started in, but the scale of what he's achieved is astounding. The BBC called Gautam Adami India's undisputed infrastructure tycoon. Um, you was, bet. <laughs> he runs 13 ports, seven airports, six coal-fired power plants and has a, an ambitious renewable energy agenda. Could you give us a sense of the scale of Adani's achievements, both for his business but also for India more generally? His real growth started when the government was down on its knees because it needed foreign exchange and he decided to go into export-import. In export-import, he learned how to pick up any product that was saleable and make profits on both ends. He went public. Is the company that became Adani Enterprises, which was a target for the short seller. While this was going on, he got an opportunity to set up a port at Mundra. It was a brand new port and Mundra was a marvel. When the developers came and told him that it would cost you so much of money to build the whole port, he called his managers. He said, I don't have that much money. Let's break up the entire design he's given us and see what we can do. By that time, Gautam Adani was already the largest importer of coal. And so let's build a jetty for coal imports only. Had Gautam Adani not been a trader, Mundra would never have been profitable. Baksa, there is no doubting the scale of what Gautam Adani and his family have achieved in business yes. in India and, and globally. The Hindenburg Research Report focused, however, on uh, a sharp increase in the amount of debt 
that parts of the Adani group have, have taken on and how that has correlated with a, ma- a very sharp spike in the, um, the net worth of Adani and Gautam Adani in the, in the past three years. Do you think there is any merit to the suggestion that the, the group has taken on a concerning amount of debt? Let me answer that in two ways. One, Hindenburg is a short seller. He entered into the trade and then brought out this report. And when a short seller brings out a report, the intent is to cause maximum damage so that he can profit more. And when you take that intent and look at the report from a different angle, you realize that Adani's debt three years ago was seven times his own funds. Today, it's three times two. The difficult years were the first 10 years when he had to build the first port and the second port. Once he did that, growth was automatic because when he was in Mundra, growth was inevitable because when you have the base and the cash flows, you can grow faster. On Sunday Extra, we're speaking with RN Baska, author of the biography of Gautam Adami uh, called Reimagining Business in India and the World. I take it from what you're saying, Baska, that you don't see the Hindenburg Research Report as a major threat to the Adani group and its business? No, I don't. I'll give two examples. One, as soon as the Hindenburg report came in, yes, the market prices failed. It was intended to create the damage. Adani just went and quietly bought off all the shares that had been pledged. He was not short of cash, but he didn't want a depression of prices, so he just removed all the pledged shares and he bought them. Two, his cash flows are strong, and there are two kinds of people who give money. One is an investor, and the second is a bank. The banks have remained with Adani. A temporary dip in the market does not worry it because it has seen bigger dips before. The UTI 64 scheme. Then you had the Harshad Mehta scam where the markets fell more than 30%. Then you had the dot-com bust. There again, the markets crashed. At the end of your biography, you refer to frightening possibilities of being compromised on ethics, on quality, and on reputation. Why did you say that about Gautam Adani and the Adani group? And is the Hindenburg report an example of one of those possibilities? No. If you read my book very carefully... I've said that these are, these are risks that any manufacturer, everyone who's gone into defense manufacturing faces, because India does not have an independent third-party evaluation of military equipment. And the government remains a sole buyer of military equipment unless you export it. So obviously, when the government is a buyer and the government is, is also in a position to create a regulator but does not create one, the risks can be huge. But Adani has shown in the past that he can manage that. And that indeed is, is one thing which is focused on by many critics of Adani, which is the close links uh, between the Adani group and Narendra Modi and his government. And you point in your book to a need for a strong institutional framework. For defence manufacture alone. Right. And, and do you have concerns about the relationship between Adani group and Prime Minister Modi and, and his government? No, I don't have concerns. Let me explain why. When Adani started the export-import business, the Congress was in power. When the first port, Mundra, was created, it is the Congress that was in power, the Congress that gave him the permission to build the port. The Congress cleared the second jetty of the port for crude oil and then for edible oil. Then the other party came to power. And Narendra Modi was a chief minister of Gujarat for 15 years, and his major business activity was in Gujarat. No businessman can remain in business, can do very well in business, unless he maintains cordial relations with the man in charge. That's what Adani did with Narendra Modi. He did not know that he would become prime minister in 2014. 
His growth is not dependent on Modi alone. If there were a different prime minister, he'd make friends with that prime minister also. I suppose that raises the question, though, regardless of relationship with a particular prime minister, is the Adani group, in terms of its scale now, too big to fail for Indian business and society? I won't say it's too big to fail. Yes, it's big, but it will not fail for two reasons. One is Adani's astuteness, and the second is Adani's indispensability. Let me explain that part. You can import iron, you can import steel, you can import coal, you can import anything. But there are two things you cannot import. One is you cannot import energy. Power generation has to be domestic. Second, as a country grows, especially a country of the India size, you need ports. 44% of India's GDP comes from export-import. If you don't have ports, India's GDP will not grow. You've met uh, Gautam Adani and known him over many years. What's he like as a person? Simple. We, he's never ostentatious. Uh, very businesslike, but extremely affable. Great memory for names. And most important, he maintains relationships. I have not seen industrialists across the world who go in for 50-50 joint ventures. It's difficult to manage 50-50. Many of his businesses, which are tech-related, are 50-50. That is because he can manage relationships. What about relationships with other members of the Adani family? For example, some reporting has focused on the number of uh, shell companies that are based in Mauritius that are controlled by Vinod Adani. Is it possible that other members of the family uh, have engaged in practices which are more problematic than those of Gautam Adani? I think Hindenburg's misunderstood the creation of what he calls shell companies. Uh, remember, the Gautam Adani's assets are overseas. He would be owning about 100 ships. I know he owns 60 dredgers. He owns coal mines. He owns ports. He owns railway lines across the world. Now, when you have assets overseas and they're financed overseas, they're repaid overseas, the best way to manage assets that you do not, that, that are overseas, is to create a separate company for each asset. So it's a convenient business practice which is adopted by businessmen across the world. Paksa, what do you think are the biggest challenges on the horizon for Gautam Adani and the Adani Group? Well, the biggest challenge will be to make good the losses in the share values right now. And he'll have to make sure that all the growth takes place. He has shelved a public issue which would have raised a large sum of money, which would have financed a hydrogen project, which has now been postponed till the money comes in. It's, I think Adani will take maybe six months. He said back for six months, maybe a year, to get that money back into the system. And the subtitle of your book is Reimagining Business in India and the World. How would you summarise what it is that Gautam Adani has done to reimagine business? <laughs> let, me, let me give you one good example. In Australia, owns the largest coal mine in the world, 10.5 billion tonnes of reserves. He's built a 200-kilometre railway line. He owns a port there and he owns ships across the world. Today, he can offer prices to Latin America, to Africa, to India, and hopefully the next three months, even to China. The prices cannot be matched for most miners. He has a strategic hold over prices. Point two, why would Israel, which has never given its assets to a foreigner, agree to give a port to Adani and also agree to his owning an island on the Suez Canal? Obviously, there must be some strategic intent. For Adani, the intent is clear. Israel has special protocols with the EU and with America so he can trade in goods, bring in goods for America, for Israel, for Egypt. There could be another motive. They want Adani in so that China is kept out of the Persian Gulf.
He's a true political player besides being a businessman today. Given that uh, sort of integration across all aspects of key infrastructure, <laughs> how effectively is the Adani Group regulated? Well, there are regulators for every sector. There's a power regulator. There's a gas regulator. There's a there's an aviation controller, and there's an overall controller called SEBI. And over above SEBI is the Reserve Bank of India. How many more controllers do you want? India's overregulated. Arun Baxter, it's been a great pleasure speaking with you. Thanks very much for joining us on Sunday Extra. All for you. Take care. That was Arun Baxter, author of the biography Gautam Adani, Reimagining Business in India and the World, that was released late last year. And no doubt uh, in future editions will require a few more chapters as well. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.